Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome, everybody, to our April show. And I think of the month of April, I think of springtime. And at the end of this week, we, uh, my Jewish friends are celebrating Passover. So happy Passover. And to my fellow Christian listeners, Good Friday is tomorrow and happy Easter on Sunday. So I always begin with my honorable mentions. So this month, there are a lot of important people in my life who are celebrating their birthdays. My little grandson, Alex, who's probably taking a nap right now or waking up from his nap, turns two on Friday. And his father, my son Andrew, turns 32 on Sunday. So happy birthday, guys. Also on Friday, my husband John and I will travel to Denver to honor the life of his Aunt Norma Kern, who passed away about a month ago. And Aunt Norma would have been 89 on Friday. So God bless her. She's celebrating, she will be celebrating her birthday in heaven, and she had an amazing, joyful, good life. I want to also wish a smooth recovery to a former guest on our show, Dr. Frank McGuire, who is recovering from hip surgery. Rather than say break a break a hip or break a knee, you know, break a bone, he uh, he actually is getting a new one, so he should be doing well now. So when I think of April, it's the month of the dreaded April 15 deadline, which is income tax day, and when tax time is looming. Benjamin Franklin's famous quote about death and taxes is often quoted. His nothing is certain except death and taxes is a quote is a quote which is one of the most enduring quotations from Benjamin Franklin who as we know was an inventor, politician, writer, founding father. So where did taxes come from? Well, if you look at the word tax, it affer- it first appears in the English language only in the 14th century. It comes from the Latin word taxare which means to assess. And before then, the English used the related word task, which is derived from the old French uh, language. For a while, task and tax were both in common use, the first requiring labor, the second money. So a lot of us, especially our, our tax accountants, are definitely feeling the task of taxes this time of month. So we may associate April 15th with stress and the scrambling that comes with knowing that taxes are due. But tax day hasn't always landed on April 15th. In fact, there was no such thing as tax day in the U.S. before 1913. That was a year that Congress and three-fourths majority of the states passed the 16th Amendment to the Constitution, which gave the federal government the power to collect income tax on all U.S. citizens. Before then, the only time the government collected income tax was during the Civil War when President Abraham Lincoln appointed a commissioner of internal revenue to help fund the ongoing war effort, but the tax was soon repealed after the war ended. So I think of taxes in several ways. Uh, It's one of those dreaded things you know you have to put up with. Uh, When you're paid off, you're happy, you really realize how rich you are and how wealthy because you're going to pay a lot of taxes usually unless you have a super secret good tax accountant who can help you uh, 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 cushion some of that. But the, the topic of tax and prosperity is really bringing me to what I want to talk about today, which is about wealth and prosperity and how that influences life and longevity as well as as well as your health. As a physician, I have a very interesting population of patients who are all very blessed with uh, financial wealth. The majority of my patients are whom you would call high net worth individuals. We have several who are billionaires, uh, retired CEOs, owners of companies, multiple homes, they have their jets. They're the people, and I would say almost 99% of them are self-made millionaires, billionaires. Nobody ever gave it to them. Very few of them are trust fund. They really made it on their own. And so they, they get to uh, interact very well with the tax accountants, the attorneys, everyone uh, dealing with their financials uh, at the end of uh, this time of the year. So my job really is about the health part. They've got people on their wealth team. I'm all, all about their their health team. And my goal is to help people live long, vital, active lives. And I always believe that having wealth helps that in a lot of ways. And, and that's really what I want to talk about. One of the themes that I wanted to do this year was looking at the 11 things that I believe allow American presidents to live long and what can we do and what can we adopt from the lives of American presidents so that we can bring it into our mortal lives and emulate them so that we can also live long, vital, active lives. And one of the things 
American presidents tend to share is they tend to be, have wealth. Very few of them are poor, and if they are poor when they enter office, they usually are rich when they leave. So now how does that, now how does wealth impact that? You know, how is that going to happen? Uh, and I, I ask about can prosperity buy good, good health? Does wealth necessarily ensure good health? And one of the famous quotes I think about was, was, was Mr. Spock in, in the old show Star Trek. Leonard Nimoy made it famous, his Vulcan salute, where he would say, live long and prosper. But the opposite, the counterpart actually way is true, is, is, is to prosper and live long, because I think those, that's very possible. So when you look at longevity, I think, as from our first show in January, we interviewed Dr. J. L. Shansky from University of Chicago. He said the number one factor that predetermined the length of your life was really your genetics, who your parents were. If your parents lived a long, good life, your tendency is that you, too, should enjoy basically a long, good life. But it's the quality of life that's going to matter at this point. And definitely, you have an advantage if you have access to, to wealth, to funds, in which you can buy access to great doctors like yours truly, have access to medications, have access to studies and tests, aren't totally reliable, you know, you're not reliant upon insurance or other funding to cover it, and you have access to really great care that you, that you can uh, make you uh, better uh, health and, and detect disease early. So as I thought about health and wealth, I thought about two very smart financial consultants who who uh, I've worked with recently who flew in from Chicago to be on our show today. And I thought of, there are a lot of interesting things when I look at people who manage wealth as well as healthcare professionals. Because when you go in and you, you speak with someone about your personal wealth, it's almost like being naked in your doctor's office. I mean, most people, they really don't want to talk about their health, let alone their wealth. They're not going to tell you, well, I own this much, this is, these are my assets. And then, so you have to have a special type of person who will sit down, bear open, you know, your financial aspects and tell you about how much they're worth, what their assets are, but even better, Truly professional financial advisors have that relationship with you so they can guide you successfully, minimize any harm, but really do no harm as we do in physicians, but guide you to a very healthy portfolio. So you really are the money doctors. So in studio today, we have Todd Showalter and Andrew McCormick. And I want to share a little bit about their background before I introduce them individually. They are partners. They have a long history of uh, of experience in the financial world. Uh, Todd Showalter, uh, his background is he, before he joined the firm with Wells Fargo Advisors, Todd was a director at Credit Suisse uh, private banking division for seven years where he co-led one of their largest teams in the Midwest along with Andrew McCormick, his partner, and they oversaw over $1 billion in assets. He was previously one of four senior vice presidents with Lehman Brothers in Midwestern Private Investment Management Group. Now, before he went to Lehman Brothers, uh, Todd worked as a senior private client advisor at Bank of America, previously Montgomery Securities, and he was with them for four years. And prior to Bank of America, he worked in, in, in um, institutional sales and trading at uh, Mesero Financial for eight years where he was elected as the youngest partner in the firm's history. Initially, Todd was a fixed income trader at Society National Bank. He currently serves on the board of the American Heart Association. Good for you. Todd resides in his hometown, Park Ridge, Illinois, with his wife and three children. Uh, his background in education, he has a Bachelor of Arts with Honors, International Business, Ohio uh, Wesleyan University, uh, where he uh, studied. And I'm going to... I'm going to pause before I uh, interview Todd because we're going to go back and forth between Todd and his partner Andrew McCormick. Uh, Andrew uh, is uh, also uh, he's the partner of Todd Showalter at Wells Fargo Advisors as an MBA. He's a managing director of investments. Before he joined Wells Fargo Advisors, uh, Andrew was director of Credit Suisse private banking for seven years where he co-led one of the largest teams in the Midwest, also with Todd. They worked together. He was also VP at Lehman Brothers Private Wealth Management for seven years. Before working with them, he was with Anderson Consulting, now Accenture, for four years, where he was a manager within the financial services practice. He worked at Productivity Point International for two years after graduating from the University of Chicago in 1994. He received his MBA at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, excellent school. He lives in Western Springs, Illinois with his wife and his three children. 
Both of these gentlemen have three children, uh, two daughters each, one son. Uh, yeah. Girl, boy, boy for me. Oh, girl, boy, boy. Okay. So it tells you about the life experience. But I, I bring them in because they are the money gurus. They know a lot about wealth management. They, they handle their clients. In a lot of ways, they're like what I do in terms of concierge physician. They handle certain individuals, high net worth individuals, and are very hands-on, available 24-7 type of work. So what I'm going to start off with is, you know, you've got impressive resumes, you work with Wells Fargo advisors, you work with different institutions, and now at this point, I mean, what brought you at this point to, to do this, to go into the financial world for a living? Well, this is something that we've been doing uh, for multiple decades now, and mostly in senior roles. And Andy and I have, have led a practice in the ultra high net worth space for quite some time. And we work longhand with your accountant and your attorney to make sure that we're answering really to a family blueprint and a customized mandate, uh, helping family achieve their goals. And if you've done it correctly, where you're deeply involved with your clients, not only do they become you know, part of your, part of your life, part of your friends, but you get to see those goals happen. It's very, it's very fulfilling for us as a team. Mm -hmm. and, and I would add, when I was in management consulting, one of the things that you didn't have closure upon was once you'd made the design, you handed it off and, and ultimately hoped that your client would implement it. Whereas we have a sustained relationship with each of our clients and we're, hoping uh, you know, to, to, that that starts out and begins something that's multiple decades. So you, you don't have closure per se, but you have a relationship that's enduring. And uh, it requires a, you know, a certain skill set, of course, quantitative, anal you know, analytics, uh, things, you know, analysis, that you know, applying it to particular situations, but then the human element. And that's very fulfilling, particularly as we get to more and more life stages and is with our families and children and things and, and living with clients. That's very gratifying. Now, how long have you two been working together? How many years? Just over 16. Over 16. Now, how many clients do you have? As you we, have, we have uh, roughly 40 family units. Uh, that changes because now you know, we're spending more time with second generation. Uh, when Todd and I started, we, we, we worked and focused on building relationships with entrepreneurs, whether they be corporate executives in the public sphere or privately held businesses, those that were in real growth-oriented uh, uh, positions and often creating wealth in almost every instance. Now, there's some exceptions, but first or second generation of, of wealth creation. So how do people get to, get to you? How do they sign up for you? Well, a lot of our business, like yours, Dr. Connie, is through referral. Uh, you know, it, it's it's relationship based. Andy and I have uh, worked hard to get to know people throughout our base, being in Chicago and the Midwest. But as our clients, some go to retirement or different life stages. We we don't have geographical boundaries in that they've got second homes uh, on the coast, or they'll pass off to other friends in different geographical areas. So a lot of times it's done through uh, relationship building, where we may have known them in the professional space, and now they moved into retirement, and will introduce us, as Andy mentioned, to other family and friends that uh, need a customized solution. So pr pretty much, your your basic client, somebody who already has wealth, but is there a minimum? to get in? There's not a minimum per se, but I, I will want to add also that, that almost every single one of our clients are self-made mm -hmm. and that they've worked very hard to build something, to control something, and to live a dream to uh, ultimately uh, achieve a wealth creation that will result in uh, a lifelong goal, a charitable giving or family pass mm -hmm. down uh, that's done over time. As far as a minimum, we don't have a hard or fast minimum per se, but we do want to be a meaningful part of that person or that family's life and to be able to grow with them over time. And vice versa. I, I, I would say we have a focus on what we would consider high net worth and people define that differently and I'll try net worth. But generally speaking, these are people that have uh, situations in which they're thinking about generational pass down, really being stewards of capital because they will uh, not outlive their wealth, which is a great problem to have, but nonetheless it's something that needs to be maintained and, 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 and managed. Mm -hmm. uh, because there's a fine line between living a life, uh, enjoying some of the accoutrements that have been earned, but also leaving something behind. Uh, and that, that's a real priority. So I would uh, you know, submit that 
are, are it's hard to be all things to all people. We're not trying to do that, but there are you know unique things that apply to families that are are, are have ultra millions of, of investable assets and up that may not apply to to, to you know typical uh, more 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 normal uh, situations which you're looking to build wealth slowly. Uh, so some of the conventional wisdom doesn't apply. Great. Well, I'm going to pause for a few minutes. We're going to go to a break, but I want to come back because we're going to talk more about, I want to talk about wealth and a lot of the public misconception about wealth because I really believe over the last seven or eight years, the idea of wealth has been demonized in this country, that the stereotypical wealthy person has become a bad person, which is really unfortunate because I think that's where I think the media has demonized people of wealth and they make us like we're bad people and they don't realize that when people have wealth they don't steal it from rich they don't steal it from poor people why are they they can't because you don't have that but they employ people they get them homes they're philanthropic they build they give jobs they do things with their wealth to advance it so there's a whole misconception but I'll come back and share my family's story about the whole issue of wealth and how that has been demonized but I also then will tap into your your mastery of wealth management and how anybody can do practical things to accumulate wealth and handle it smartly. So stay tuned at Dr. Connie's House Calls for more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought... Which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. 
That's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back, and our show for the month of April is all about prosperity and how that contributes to long life and wealth and health go together. And I've got Andrew McCormick and Todd Showalter from Wells Fargo Advisors here from Chicago advising us, and they're the money gurus. But I wanted to share with them a story because I think over the last seven or eight years, the wealth, when somebody's wealthy, successfully wealthy, they've been demonized by the mainstream media. They've made into bad people. And they don't realize that wealth funds everybody else, that somehow wealthy people go and rob a bunch of poor people. That that doesn't happen. I mean, And when I look at my patient population, most of these millionaires and billionaires came from very poor, humble beginnings and work very hard and work all the time. And, and the example about the American dream, I see it in my family. My father, as I've shared before, passed away last July. We buried him on his 94th birthday. And he uh, grew up in the Philippines, was dirt poor, literally poor, starving. And he joined the U.S. Navy in the, 19, in the 1940s when they had to deal with the United States and the Philippines that if you became uh, enlisted in the Navy and they made you an American citizen, you complied for American citizenship, joined as an enlisted as a steward, which is essentially a houseboy in, in the Navy. And he did. And, he, and I was born on Navy base. Uh, Dad spent 29, 30 years active duty got enlisted pay, and he did very well. He rose to, you know, senior enlisted, but that was decent pay. And then he joined the post office, had a civil service job, and then he collected Medicare. So he was a, a triple dipper, you know, from the Navy, post office, uh, and uh, Medicare. He, he and my mother always paid cash for all their cars, and then his dream car was a Cadillac, and he had it till the day he died. Everything was cash. When he bought his house in San Diego in 1970, it was $27,000, and he didn't know how he was going to make the mortgage. He was terrified, but he paid it off. And then in 79, he bought another house for about 35, 40,000. He paid that off. So when we settled his estate in the end of last year, my brother, sister, and I sat around. And again, uh, parents never flew first class. They saved money. They used coupons. They sent money home to the Philippines to their relatives. They always had, you know, money to donate. Uh, their their uh, their assets were over a million dollars in in real estate and in just savings account. They never invested in the market. They didn't weren't smart enough to know that you could do that in the market. That wasn't their thing. They just put money in the bank and had real estate. But they had over a million in assets. And that, I think, is an American yeah, story. story. It's an American story. And I think that's really sad that the media has, has demonized people of wealth because I think the beauty of this country is the opportunity that if you work really hard, listen to the rules, you can become a millionaire. You really can. If you apply yourself, you work hard, and you know you look at people who have great talent who sing, they're millionaires, right? They do their music, they write books. I mean, so why should anyone begrudge them? You know, they pay their mm-hmm. taxes, they do, and they have wealth. But my, I look among my patients who are millionaires, billionaires, they are philanthropic, they hire large populations of people, they, uh, they donate, they're charitable, I mean, they're amazing people, and they're great stories of success and opportunity. So as we talk about your clients, you have about 40 clients that you follow in a very much concierge-type group that you, you, you guide along there. Can you, as I'm trying to make my case for longevity and prosperity and how they go hand in hand, how old is your oldest client? Can you share a little bit? Don't give them a, their names. Yeah, uh, mid-80s, mm-hmm. um, retired, but still very active. Mm-hmm. in many aspects of his life. I mean, he does a lot of charitable uh, involvement, uh, did a lot of non-for-profit upon officially retire, you know, the official retirement from you know, the uh, uh, executive position, but uh, has really stayed active and, and mind is, is as sharp as it's always been. It's, it, it, it's a muscle and it's just been, he's continued to work it and do different things. Out of his comfort zone, every few years, it's a new hobby, uh, which he gets really involved in. And the, 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 I think the fear of not, of not having enough went away a long time ago. Now, clearly, you know, as we're talking about you know, health and wealth, the big concern is you know, end-of-life care and the cost of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is 
well, there may be enough to, to, to support that, that eats into the legacy and the, and, and the pass down to the, the causes, which is, would be disconcerting after a life lived well. And you brought a good point. I had several patients a couple of years ago, uh, had beautiful home, and they finally had to leave my practice because they were moving to another state because they couldn't afford the lifestyle anymore. They had literally outlived their wealth. And that's a scary thing. And I'm sure, how do you manage yours so that you can guide them? You know, Lord, God willing, they'll live into their 90s. Do you give them advice how to budget? How do you do it? I mean, what do you think, Todd? Well, what we found is, you know, money can be one of the greatest causes of stress, mm-hmm. no matter how how you define it and def- no matter what wealth level you're at. And what we've seen is you need to manage both health and wealth. And it's it, it takes a discipline. Andy mentioned, you know, needing to live a retired life with a purpose. But at the same time, we, we have a finite amount of time, money, and health, and you need to manage those three things, and it takes preventative care to all three of them. It's a discipline, it needs to be looked after, it needs to be something that you're thinking about. And again, we think that as you work hand in hand with your accountant, your attorney, and your financial advisors, you know, we're looking at the health of the different states that our clients live in, you know, Mm -hmm. what the outlook are for them, what their tax situation will be, and frankly, how they've managed uh, their money, their children's money, and and a go-for basis of what they want to do, you know, as their life's work and their legacy. You brought up a great point about that that triad about about wealth. What was the other thing? It's it's time, 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 health, and wealth. It's like when you're young, you got all the time in the world, but you don't have you got health and you don't have any wealth. You don't have any wealth, and at the end of your life, you find yourself running out of time. You, in most cases, have a, have a larger pool of money, but your health is declining. Mm-hmm. And so it really is it really is what you do to balance out the, the, that triangle of those three. And it's something that we talk about not only in our own lives, but as we talk about with clients. And, and they're mindful of it because those really are the three things that matter most as they look for their you know look to their family. And, and Dr. Kent, you know, the, one of the things that uh, came to mind when you were talking about you know, the sharing the anecdote and, and your, your father's experience is it reminds me of a, a, a book I read in the 90s uh, called The Millionaire Next Door. And that's, it's, it's an it's a inspirational book for anybody who's young to read and think about because what it does say is with the right traits, just about anybody can achieve millionaire status. And, and you hear those disparaging remarks, well, millionaire isn't what it used to be, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's still a pretty good uh, outcome, uh, and there is a consistent theme amongst all those who are millionaires. In our case, most of our clients are millionaires many times over, mm-hmm. but there is a similarity amongst almost all of them that I think you would probably say your father's here, and this is incredible self-discipline, and to, pers- you know, to have persistence over the course of an extended period of time and consistency pursuing something. Sure, there's setbacks and sure there's disappointments and sure uh, things don't always work the way you'd like and you let yourself down and others let you down, but they maintain a extended period of time, the self-discipline that enables them to eventually accumulate a lot of wealth. And that same trait actually is very is paramount in, 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 in maximizing your potential health outcome because genetics play a big part in this. You know, you've, we've discussed this. There's nothing you can do about genetics except work with what you have. But if you apply a lot of self-discipline, or even a little bit in some cases, that you can get you know a maximum bang for your genetic buck, so to speak. And I think you know that 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 is you know people who who have had de- you know demonstrated that kind of discipline that have built wealth also have done things like preventative care and regular uh, ongoing checkup the homework for their, about their physicians, ask critical questions of their physician. Don't just take, don't go to WebMD and self-prescribe. And they have a process that applies and it becomes a greater and greater priority every year they get older. You brought a good point about discipline. They've done studies on people who've succeeded in life and one of the ones is being able to accept delayed gratification. They did studies about the candy bar test where, you know, can you wait? If you get a candy bar now, you can enjoy it. Or if you wait a little bit longer, you can get two. And how many kids jump to that candy bar now versus the ones who are waiting, waiting a little bit later for a little bit more? And, and you see a lot, you know, nowadays it's like quick instant gratification. I want it now. And, and instead of wait a little bit longer, let's wait and see what's going to happen. Let it accumulate. And they have the discipline. And I think people, you know, it's a, in one of those days that we want to feel good right away. We want to tweet our wealth. We want everything's instant. I think, think about it, think it through. I think that's hu- human nature, and, yeah. I, and I don't know that, 
that's new or old or, or timeless. It's human nature. It's when you when you experience things that are less than couple, and you see something that's more, it's mm -hmm. you you seek that. But that delayed gratification is. You know, I have you know, teenagers and and uh, uh, I try to explain that. And, what do you and tell your kids? What do you tell your kids about money as they're going off to college? What do you tell them? Do they, do they have an allowance? I mean, wait to spend. Wait. Do you, do you, you know there is a difference between wants and needs. Many most people don't know the difference and convince themselves that wants are, are, are needs. And I do think that that is. I don't. I don't know how it was 25 years ago. I think mm -hmm. it was true when I was young. I certainly think it's true now. And and you see, you're bombarded with things that are cool and exciting and you know reasonably priced. <laughs> so to speak, but that that's there. So I tell you, delay, delay, you know, d d delay the purchase. Think about it. Ask yourself, do you, do you want? And and what kind of life do you see yourself having? Mm -hmm. Well, I think you need to talk about finances in early age. Also, I think it's important to you know talk about saving for retirement. You know, talk about what the responsibilities are for them as they grow. You know, grow up with their first job, their second job, and they build for retirement. Explain the purpose of a 401k or an IRA and what they mean today and what they will mean for you down the road. And you know, talk about possibly building an emergency fund. You know, that rainy day that rainy day account is a real thing because, frankly, you can't plan for everything, and so you have to be ready. Whether it is you know wealth or health, you have to be ready for that that thing around the corner that you're not sure when or if it is going to happen. Is there a minimum number? Is there a minimum income you think is where people are comfortable? Somebody once said, it was an article somewhere, that the minimum for happiness was 75000 a year. I'm sure that's shifted. Changed. Well, th there, there may be some academic studies that have quantified a number, and I yeah. think everyone probably in high school or college psychology class have heard of the, 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 the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, to get to the ultimate peak of self-actualization. Well, it turns out once you get, you know, according to Maslow, is once you get past these certain basic needs that are physical, most of them are emotional. So there certainly is a minimum, I think, amount of income or wealth, which are not the same thing, of course, that will enable you to pursue things like self-actualization. But that's different for every person and it's different for every geography and every country and, and so it's I think it's very hard to think about that but people knee-jerk to this whole wealth stigma that it must be so easy if you just had that house or that income or that wealth and it's not quite that simple and it, it just doesn't work I think uh, there's not a formula. So when you advise your, your clients, what, what, what are the typical things you, in general, you can share that you advise them about that concern them? Well, they're, they're often very concerned about, you know, what's going to happen for that next generation. So there mm -hmm. is a family blueprint that we try to help them talk about. There are goals. Uh, there are goals that we, when we sit down and we try to sit down with our clients on a quarterly basis to make sure that we're all on the same page. But, but, it, but a concept that we have to get our arms around as a team, and as a team I mean at the advisory side along with the client, is what does risk mean to you as a family? You know, how do you define it? What does it mean to you from not only an investment standpoint, but from a family standpoint? And if you understand risk and the downside of risk, People often say they can't quantify it, but I know it when it's there. Mm -hmm. and, and we have to help get their, their arms around, you know, do you really find yourself aggressive, moderate, conservative? And then when we lay out the metrics of how we see it, they may find they're in a different category than they originally thought. And so that risk component is very, very important to us as we begin and we talk about a relationship. And, and, and remember, most people, and I, I think this is something that's not well understood, most people who have built a high net worth have taken on a big amount of risk at multiple points in their lives to, to create that wealth. And that's, you know, everyone talks about our business diversification, diversification, diversification. Well, Todd and I never tell someone to diversify from their wealth creator. We wouldn't be in business because they typically have known something very well. They've had the uh, competency, uh, the conviction, and they've stayed at to build this wealth. Well, once they decide to, t to, to take that risk and, and off of the table, mm -hmm. they're looking for us to, to use financial markets, capital markets, to give them as predictable an outcome as possible. Mm -hmm. Clearly, 
weathermen are never out there. We're, we're not going to be 100% accurate, but we want to understand a range of outcomes, and that's what we, 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 we attempt to present and manage to. So our, you know, our daily job is, is really you know, listing understanding, of course. Uh, we always have to do that. Uh, but it changes, so we need to be regularly understanding that and then translating financial instruments into getting to that comfortable you know, uh, outcome or set of outcomes that, that take on a certain amount of risk but maximize the amount of, of, of growth we can see within the financial assets that we oversee. Wow, it's amazing. So you and you, you've always got your finger on the pulse of what's going on in this country with economics, with the markets. Do you, do you like you periodically reach out to your clients and say, okay, this is happening in the markets. This is what I recommend. Or, sure, we're, we're I mean, both on a macro and micro level, we're concerned about what's going to happen to our clients. I mean, we're, we're going to touch them uh, with a phone call, an email, or a text as necessary as possible as we see uh, as we see a reaction to whether it be a change in tax code, a geopolitical environment that may that may address an international market, or down to just a simple uh, something that we have to pass on to an accountant or attorney at tax time. So we're, we're going to be looking to the markets for what reaction we need to make, but more importantly, we try to stay either a step or two ahead of the markets also. And that's the smart part about planning. Yeah, and, and uh, the one, I think, mis, uh, misunderstanding of, of the modeling process is, is, well, this is a model that says, here's, here's my outcome, it's one outcome. Well, really, we need to think about things in a range of potential outcomes. Yeah, there's a statistical likelihood of each of them, but we, we really want to think about where the model can be wrong and specific impact on each one of our families. That's, that's the challenge. Super. So stay tuned. We've got some more uh, financial advice and news from our money gurus, uh, Andrew McCormick and Todd Showalter from Wells Fargo Advisors. So stay tuned for more. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. We all have unique experiences and outlooks when it comes to leadership and team building, yet sometimes we clash, even when trying to achieve the exact same goals. Check out Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. Your host is Dr. Cass Henry. A shared journey equals success, and every human interaction has the power to achieve this success by working together. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You 
are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to the last part of our show, and we've got in studio Andrew McCormick and Todd Showalter from Wells Fargo Advisors from Chicago, who flew all the way out here to talk to me, and thank you for doing that. It's 90 degrees out, and I'm sure they want to go back to Chicago, where it's nice and chilly. <laughs> and they handle high net worth individuals. They are uh, very expert in what they do very personalized approach to what they do, do amazing work. What I want to do is ask you questions that apply to everyday taxpayers like us who, you know, work every day trying to make a good living. And just a couple of scenarios. I think we're talking briefly about student loans and how, you know, the big, about what kids owe. I mean, after getting out of college, what, what kind of advice do you have somebody whose kids are in college and how to avoid debt? Well, I think student loans are, are a very difficult topic right now, and, and they're on the front page of most newspapers, and they're a misconception. There's something they need to be strongly talked about when a parent and a child look at a university or a college, because what we're seeing is a, a lot of second generations start off with one, one really whole foot in a hole, if you will, that this debt is having a stranglehold on their future earnings. It's tough for them to build a foundation. It's tough for them to look to the future because they're constantly looking at a a, a, a loan or a debenture that has a high interest rate and it, it, it keeps them back from, from doing things that they may want to do like a, a secondary school, mm-hmm. uh, MBA, CFA, and things of that nature. And it, so it, it's it's a growing epidemic in this country and it's it's something that only looks to grow, to grow fatter and fatter on, on a child's income. So how do you get around that? Do you, is it GoFundMe or have people donate money when you graduate or? Well, I don't know. I don't know if that would solve everyone's problem because the uh, more and more higher percentage of students are have uh, have student loan debt and clearly you know, the cost of education has surpassed inflation for the last couple of decades in a, in a meaningful path way and i think it, you know, people are in a tough spot when they're 18 years old and they're, they're they're looking at a student loan or student aid package to understand what that means is very hard it's deferred uh, you don't understand really what you're signing i didn't when i went to undergraduate and I learned quickly upon graduating what student loan debt meant but uh, what I would say is, is is when something is you know given you as a student aid really understand what is what is what does the aid mean it, it, there's grants uh, that's uh, things uh, generally that don't need to be paid back and there's loans and ordinarily the loan is a significant more significant uh, piece of the aid and uh, to shop around, there's many ways to get a, a great education nowadays. That I don't know were true, you know, 30 or 40 years ago. But there's so many different ways to to uh, uh, get yourself educated, whether it be you know junior colleges, you know st- state colleges. Uh, there's a lot of competition out there uh, for your, your your education dollars. So uh, uh, realize that, and, and and they're happy to have you. Whereas I think a long time ago. Uh, it was. I just need. I, I hope I can get into college. Well, right. now, now they're they're, they're happy to in. get you. Right. I mean, you need to do the research. You need to do your homework. You need to look at school by school. What is their aid package? What scholarships are out there for high school juniors and seniors? There are a lot of money out there. You just have to do the research and try to find it because those outcomes could be a difference maker down the road. And, you know, for me, uh, through the military, military scholarships. I when I went to California undergraduate. I, I got scholarships everywhere, and then I worked part-time in school. So, yeah. you know, we all went, found the military, and we found other jobs to do that and, you know, to get our ways through school so we didn't have to take a loan. It, 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 Todd and I are in, obviously, the finance industry, and we're very familiar with interest rates and costs and lending and things. But we have kids approaching college, and we're using outside help. We use a provider. It's called Partners for Achievement to help us navigate. That's just sole ex- their expertise. and. It's money well spent because ones we have, uh, uh, you know, we each have two other kids that we're going to need to, and the stakes are very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we want them, our children, to choose the right place, but we also want to get a good value for, for for ourselves and them. And and there's no there's no shame in, in, in asking for help because it it can be Byzantine. It's very hard to navigate yeah. this. 
and uh, you know, yeah, we, we've done it. I think there's a stigma recently because of what's happened, re, you know, with the fraudulent uh, uh, activities to get kids in college. That's not at all, you know, that's a whole nother mm-hmm. uh, situation. What we're saying is it doesn't help, just like in our positions, we help people, you know, manage the day-to-day of their, of their uh, financial affairs. Well, college is probably now the biggest expen- expense that families have, more so than their ho- housing. So Amazing. why not find someone yeah. to help you with that is our view. So let's say the kid's graduated, he's got, he or she's got their first job. What do you recommend for people starting off in their first job? How do you put money away? Well, I think the first thing we do is, is, is you know, have they had that conversation with their family? Mm-hmm. Meaning, do they know what that may be laying out there for them since they've graduated college? And then understand what a budget is. What's my cash flow? What is the buying power of my after-tax check what is my rent? What are my utilities? What are my groceries? Lay out that budget to understand how far your dollar goes, mm-hmm. what I can get for my dollar, and then you know things that are coming up that you may not realize is you know taxes, and you have to be prepared, as I said, for that emergency fund for that thing you just don't know it's down the road. And the earlier the start, the less painful it has to be. Is there a percentage you say put away in savings? Do you tell them to do that, or is there? Uh, I, I you know I, th- I I don't think it's 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 as much as possible, frankly, and but I think you assess it just a very simple calculation: what do I owe? Yeah. How much am I paying on it? And then uh, what are my long-term goals? So reduce debt, but also take advantage of other other savings mechanisms. The earlier the start, the easier it's going to be, and and it doesn't have to be that painful. It doesn't have to be a multiple-week process to do this sort of thing. And yeah, I, I've, we've always said, you know, my, my parents always put away as much as they could. Uh, they were very frugal people and you know, they, they instilled that and my, my wife is the same. But you know, if, if you can afford to put away 10 or 15% when you're in your early 20s, that's gonna go a long way. Uh, it, you're gonna be in a different situation than, because it's a fun time, it's a stressful yeah. time, and, but at the same time, if you do these little things, you don't have to do dramatic things. You know, what I yet. used to say, deduct it, put it away. If I can't see it, I can't spend it. Uh, the other thing, yeah. too, was uh, credit cards. I had a, a friend of mine I knew years ago, and she literally had to cut up all her credit cards. She had so much debt because everything was on credit. It was like, I'm not spending any money. It's on credit card. And I think there's a tendency for a lot of people, they just, oh, I'll just put it on credit until it catches up with you. Well, that's yeah. the difference that we talked about earlier between want and need. And, and again, it goes down to a budget. You know, understanding your buying power, understanding how far your dollar will go and what you want and what you need is an important part of that. So when you advise people in wealth management as they're thinking about, I think I'm going to retire from my full-time job and fly around with my husband and write write novels and just enjoy my life, what kind of things should they be prepared to do and what kind of things you recommend that it's okay to go ahead and retire? What kind of advice do you give them? Well, you have to plan seriously. Uh, You have to get your house in order from a debt standpoint. I think it's important to be conservative. Uh, In retirement, you're trying to live as stress-free as you possibly can. Uh, I think you have to watch things like inflation. Again, what's going to happen to your buying power? And you have to be careful when you're doing rebalancing. When you're you're taking a look at your portfolio, it's going to change its complexion as you enter retirement. You know, one thing I, I would I would caution people from doing is, is a, a lot of these free online tools is what you have to ask is what are the assumptions and where can they go wrong? So we, of course, can do cash flow modeling and projections based on the amount of income you'd like to generate. But you need to understand what are the projected returns and are they straight line rates of returns? And, and this isn't what I would call rocket science per se, but you need to ask a couple of tough questions and do some some scenario modeling of different potential outcomes. So you know, it's just, it could be as, as simple as writing down you know, the, the, the type of things you want to spend money on, what you want to do. We add it up. We can do uh, uh, based on the risk level that lets you sleep well at night, some, some modeling. Mm-hmm. But then we want to talk about where that could go wrong and what we could do to fortify that and give ourselves a higher probability of success. But it, there's no one, and it, and it can, some people just uh, do it at the back of the envelope. Other people that we know, retired CFOs or current CFOs, they have detailed spreadsheets with you know, very, 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 very uh, minute detail. But it doesn't have to be that onerous. So the goal is to live a long, healthy, active life. How much money should somebody 
put away because most of what we're seeing is the most expenditures you'll see, the biggest bills will be end of life, emergency surgery, chemo, nursing home. I mean, how much should people really put away as a minimum of their own savings to, to cover that that insurance won't cover? Well, I think it's a moving target, and I, and I don't. That's been changing you know, since we've been in the in the business, since Todd and I have have been in the business. Because, like tuition, medical costs have been going up at a higher rate. Now, the quality, I th I, I think you tell me, Dr. Connie, I, I think has gotten significantly better over mm -hmm. the years. Yes. Uh, but the costs, no one quite knows. So, education and medical costs are probably the two biggest. Uh, uh, you know, financial concerns of our, of, of our clients because most have the means to do whatever they want, frankly. But that I, that I guess the long way of saying is we're not quite sure, uh, but it's we're constantly thinking about it. We're constantly monitoring it. Yeah, I think it's a moving target. I think it's going to be something that changes from family to family. Uh, I, again, your health care costs, you can't pinpoint as they, they seem to be growing year by year. Uh, again, taking care of children, grandchildren, charitable intent, uh, your alma mater, your your church. Uh, there's things that people want to do in life, mm -hmm. and, and they set those goals. Again, this is where the planning part is so crucial to make sure that you are, are laying out a budget, you're sharing a dialogue with your spouse, you're working towards that goal as a family, and, and hopefully the end result with proper planning is, is where you want to be. You know, one of the things we talk about a lot of high net worth individuals is how they're driven so much by purpose that they still, even though they've made their wealth, they love what they do. So I've got about two minutes, and the fun question I always like to entertain is my, we used to call it the, uh, the redneck IRA. Somebody said, well, uh, my brother told me one time, I, I, this is my idea for wealth management, I'm just going to play the lottery. So a couple of, a couple months ago, because I, I invest in the lottery, if you lose in the lottery, and uh, somebody apparently had won $750 million in the Powerball. So what would you recommend to that individual once they found out they won the Powerball? Well, you know, again, with a, with a wealth creation like that, so sudden and so instant, I would say your goal would be to clearly protect value at this point. And as we say to often many of our clients, it may not be the sexy answer, but a bond ladder can make a very good strategy and a money market account alongside of it is something that although, although it may not be fun at the cocktail party, it, it'll, it'll do you right for a long time. Yeah, you definitely have to do something uh, to manage the risk and, and minimal effort because of all the new friends you suddenly have. Yeah. And all those friends that you forgot that you had right. will, will be emerging. But uh, we don't have any lot of winners, <laughs> nor do we know anybody in our business we'll who does. <laughs> but uh, we, we look forward to that. And yeah, I, I, wealth preservation is, is, is paramount uh, to our clients. I think that in that scenario, clearly unfunded wealth, you'd want to preserve it while oh, enjoying great. some of it. All right. Any final last words before we close our show for, for the month? Um, wealth and health? Well, we're just glad to have uh, the opportunity to sit down and talk with you. I think there is a lot of consistency between wealth and health. Uh, it's fun to talk about it in this forum, and uh, we just appreciate you having us, Dr. Connie. Well, thank you. Thanks, Andrew. I'd just like to say thank you as well, Dr. Connie. This has been enjoyable. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having us. Well, and also from Mr. Spock, uh, it's about living long and prospering and also prospering and living long. So all have a great month, and Take care. We'll talk to you next month. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.